Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city. It lies four square. The gates are made of jasper. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the prophetic news on Blog Talk Radio. We're also on YouTube under my name, Susan Puzio, and we also have Greedy Preachers TV, and we have our website, propheticnews.com. We have our two books on Amazon, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God, which starting tomorrow and for five days that book will be available on kindle for free for you to read so if you have kindle you could go there and read the book for the next starting tomorrow for the next five days and it'll be free also we have our book paula white heretic in the white house the miracle selling huckster who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. So those two books are available. And also, if you'd like to contact me, you could contact me, Susan, at propheticnews.com. And I will answer your email, and I will look forward to hearing from you. So we have our special guest here today, Jackie Alnor. Here I am. (laughs) Thank you, my only fan. <laughs> Let's have a round of applause. <laughs> How goes it, Susan? Well, it's interesting. That's all I can say. And there's always something interesting in life that pops up. And uh, wow, I could live yes. on a desert island very easily. <laughs> I'll. Do you mind if you have a friend there? I can be your your Friday to Robinson yeah, Crusoe. Yeah, exactly. You could live on the other side of the island. Oh, that would be nice. We'll send smoke signals to each other. Yeah, exactly. That would be nice, though, but I guess it's few and far between that you can get that kind of privacy these days. Um, oh, yeah, I know. There's nowhere to run. It's so funny because the entire planet's in 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 chaos right now. And as yeah. bad, bad as it is here, they're out there marching in the streets all over the planet, uh, chanting USA, USA. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh. Well, yeah, they're, they're going to be in for a big shock when they see what's going on in our country as far as the politics. I was very shocked, yes, actually, yesterday to read 
about Mr. Barack that who worked for Donald Trump and he was arrested on some trumped up charge, I believe. And the bail now dig this, Jackie. The bail was two hundred and fifty million dollars. Whoa. They can only yeah. do that if they get Elon Musk or Bezos behind bars and maybe they can pay that. This is the world's largest bail ever. Now, what did he do exactly? He, they say he was some kind of a foreign agent. He was acting on behalf of a foreign agent to try to influence Trump with the Saudis. Now, I want well, you to know, know what, was he a serial killer or what? Like, uh, they got the wrong Barack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but the thing is, okay, we know, of course, Trump was flawed in many ways. But yet the, the hatred for anybody that surrounds him, and there's still some of these people from January 6th that are in solitary confinement. And I'm wondering, where's the lawyers? Yeah. Why are the lawyers going to step up and help the civil rights attorneys going to step up and help these people? I know. You know, it's like USA 85. I mean, you can't chant USA for today anymore. It's, you know, you got to turn back the clock, you know, and go back in time to have a decent USA. It's nothing to brag about these days, especially under a hostile government as we're under. Terrible. And not yeah, to mention the, cor- the corporate involvement and censorship and wow, all of that going on. And yet, you know, as crazy it is at, as it is here, it's really further down the pit in these other countries. I can't believe Australia. Yeah. But that's the thing that I think when I used to travel overseas, especially to England, and I would see how things were going downhill there pretty quick because they were using the buzzwords like when you would watch TV, people would talk about my partner instead of my husband or wife. And this was mm. back in the 90s. So they were already using terms to try to change uh, the language instead of saying husband or wife. Wow. And uh, there was horrible billboards. There's even a, even a statue of Satan. And I wish I would have ha- taken a picture of this statue, but there is one somewhere in downtown London that I ran into. Which right, I wasn't thought it was very- Baphomet? The statue might, of Baphomet, the, the, maybe the that's horned what god? I saw. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. what I saw. But you don't really hear a lot about that. Of course, they have the four horsemen of the apocalypse there. At, I think at the entrance of Hyde Park or one of those parks. Mm. But I was very stunned to see that statue one time. But, you know, we used to use the term partner in relationship to business partners. That's yeah. what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. You're in business together. So now they're saying if you're sleeping together, you're partners. <laughs> well, that's what they say. They didn't want to uh, discriminate discriminate against people to make them feel bad because they weren't married. So partner, but anything goes partner. when you have a partner. Dance partner is another <laughs> term we use. You know, do si do, swing your partner round and round. Oh, you're really going back. You're really going back there. <laughs> I'm a square. Well, square, square dancing is fun. It actually is. It actually is a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the they had 
so much uh, bad language back there on the TV and all kinds of sexual things that were going on. And this was like in the early 90s, and I stopped going to England in 97, but I noticed that. Yeah, you're right, because I remember hearing back in in those days that they had nudity on television in the UK, and we had censors here. It was unheard of back then. Yeah. Here, here it was. But, of course, then they had the, uh, tried to uh, get England into the one currency when Europe stopped using Mm -hmm different currencies and then they stopped also when you used to travel in Europe you used to have to show your passport every country you went to and mm-hmm. they stopped that too so they were trying to all, trying then to bring in this globalism like they're doing here now is trying to un- bring let everybody cross the border and have no borders and just it's one world yeah they're trying to do the one world and and, and you know it's it's funny how we were called conspiracy theorists, you know, back 30 years ago when we were seeing that there was going to be a one world government and a one world religion. And we get that from the book of Revelation. We get that from scripture. But because of that, we were ridiculed. But that's exactly where it was going. I remember when I was a kid, there was a sign that said, pull us out of the U.N., and I asked my mom, you know, Mommy, what's the UN? Oh, well, that's just a nice group that does good things for the whole planet. And, uh, my mother was a diehard Democrat. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way everybody thought. It was like, why, why would anyone want to pull out of the UN? But people with insight knew where they were trying to take the planet and take control, yeah. really. Yeah, and then they had that, they have some kind of goofy services that went on there. They have some kind of a chapel there. That's and right. There and some, yeah. Remember that? Deepak Chopra being the uh, the head of it. Oh. He, he was the UN chaplain. And, and I don't know if he's still is. He's getting up there in age. But he was the UN's chaplain in New York. Yeah, Deepak. Oh, my God. For people who don't know, he is a new age guru type of evil wicked men and that's who they chose to be their spiritual leader in the UN wow mm-hmm. yeah so we're in a mess and we're going to talk today about the great awakening or are you deep asleep which one <laughs> <laughs> take your pick right <laughs> Uh, we see there's a lot of sleeping going on out there. There's a, there's a a lot of slumbering going on, and uh, wow, we ha- we better work while we still have time because we don't know how much longer we're going to have even these freedoms that we have. And like Blog Talk Radio, you can have any kind of a program and you can say anything. They don't ever tell you, wow, you, you shouldn't say that, or we're taking you off the air. But who knows how long, for how long? Yeah, well, but share it on YouTube and you could get in trouble. And I know you've shared some, and I've shared some too on YouTube. But yeah, YouTube, YouTube will get you. Yeah, yeah. I just got hit, hit with one over a song that some, I showed a, a short thing, clip from a, a video that I did about 
cornerstone in, in, in San Antonio, you know, John Hagee's church. And I posted that thing over a year ago. And just the other day I got hit with a copyright thing because I showed part of the bad singing going on over there. <laughs> it was really bad singing. Well, the, the, the thing is they, they had this program on, um, one of these channels where they do all these crime shows and everything. So they have this guy on YouTube and he's nasty, pornographic and foul language. And he's been on there for years. They don't take him off, but if you post something like I posted this video, uh, is Donald Trump really pro-life? And it was a short video and I just went into some things and they took it down. They wouldn't let, they said I couldn't, have it. Wow, yeah. Well, again, they're part of, and there is a conspiracy, by the way, and they are part of the <laughs> big global conspiracy to corrupt everything, everything that's decent in order to get Christianity outlawed, basically, because this is just the beginning of that. I mean, look at how they're trying to corrupt our children with... with oh. In, in the most worst, disgusting ways. Now, what, they had some kissing scene on some Disney show or something with two, uh, two, two men, boys or whatever. And so they, well, there's so many things going on in that, in the education, if you can call it that, the programming in yes. the schools. They're trying to corrupt everything on every place so that they can get rid of the, just, just the whole, the whole um center of, of Western civilization, which is Christianity. And so that, you know, that set them the standard and they don't like that standard. And so they're all fighting against that standard, but it really is the devil who is operating in all of these people. I mean, look at the music industry. I mean, we had an occasional weird thing. Could this be satanic? You know, the Hotel California, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's no backward masking anymore, man. They're all straight out front with yeah, the don't, devil. Yeah, they don't try to hide who they are now. No, no. So we're in a bad, we're in a bad situation, and we're the freest of them all. The rest are going down faster than we are. Well, not for long. We won't be, if because I don't think, I don't think the uh, government is ever going back to any kind of conservative anything. I don't think they're ever going to allow it. I think it's just right. I don't, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see that ever happening again. Especially if you, if you uh, happen to support the wrong person politically, you become a political prisoner. Since when did that happen in this country? where somebody gets a $250 million bail for supposedly being uh, lobbying for a foreign government. Like when did that happen? <laughs> wow. No, no, it's, it's ter- turning totally tyrannical and there's yeah. nowhere for us to go. That's why it's that. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of the Eastern countries, certainly not China, but my daughter lives in Japan and, She's, you know, her, her contract is up in a year and she's afraid to come back here. (laughs) That's, that's pretty crazy. And at the same time, China is threatening to nuke Japan. So I, I, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We just don't know from day in and from 
every day something new, and I'm shocked every day. I look at the news. I don't try to meditate on it because it's like, what can I do? I, I know that I can do something for the Lord, and I know that I can accomplish things that have eternal meaning to people with the kind of work that we both do, of course. So as far as the government, we can't fix it. It's no. beyond repair at this point, really. No, we're, we just have to know how we can be a light in the darkness because the darkness is encroaching everywhere. And, and you know, and it's sad because you try to tell a younger person who has their whole life ahead of them about the, you know, about, you know, what's coming and that the birth pangs are just getting worse, closer together and stronger and there's no turning back. And how do you tell a person who just graduated from college that and, and, and yet not get them so down in the dumps. I mean, we know that it's painful, even that's the way, the way that Jesus put it. It's painful when, when the woman is in child, childbirth, but she looks forward to the birth of the child and then the child needs a son is coming into the world and then it's time to get excited. But in the meantime, it's not comfortable to go through that. I mean, the Bible does spell that out. And yet at the same time, when you try to get that across to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and who is just looking around them and seeing nothing but despair, it, it's hard to throw out that, that life preserver to them. I mean, because you can do it, but they, they don't like the, they don't like the storyline. Wow. Unfortunately, no, there's so much at. rebellion. There's so much yeah. rebellion. You can just ask somebody a simple question. And they they get crazy because you ask them something. I never saw anything like it that you can't communicate in a normal way. And when people make a mistake or they do something wrong, and you might have to point it out to them, and then they get crazy because you 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 said something to them. They don't like to be disagreed with. No. You know, it, you know, it was big in the 80s. It was, you know, remember with um, Shirley MacLaine screaming, I am God down on the shore, which yeah. isn't. Uh, you know, it was back then that the saying was, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. Well, your truth is with a small T and mine's with a capital T. So there is a difference. But you see that? got gained a lot of popularity back in the days of we are the world and hands across America and the harmonic convergence. I mean, it's this false spirituality that undergirded all of this, you know, and it was all a, a re response and a reaction against Christianity. And that's why so many have gone into this new age sort of thinking. And then that all merged with ufology and so you've got the, the Space Brothers coming in, endorsing your Aquarian uh, gospel. Yeah. And they are. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the new world view. And how do you, anytime you oppose that new world view, which is supposed to be so modern and, and, and you know, mature, and you bring them, you bring them the Bible they look down on it. I remember, remember Tommy Tenney, Tommy Tenney, who, oh, you know, Tommy that, Tenney, yeah, you don't hear about yeah. him. No, you don't, you don't, but he once, he once 
in one of his what was his book? I forget the name of it because it has been a long time. But he said that people aren't interested in old musky love letters, you know, yeah. which is how he described the Bible. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, what was, I, I should look it up. But, but anyway, you see, it's those kinds of things that were brought into the church, and he was a regular on TBN every yeah, time. Yeah, he was all back. over the place, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, Matt Crouch favored him and uh, oh, and Kim Clement. And so, you know, oh, yeah, the God Chasers. That yeah, was that was it, God yeah. God Chasers. Yeah, and these these. And it turns out, you know, that these God chasers, even according to him, don't want musky old love letters. And I mean, that was just like jaw dropping. So I don't care what happened to him. It's just as well that he's off the scene. But again, these were just back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, these things were just set in the stage for the Great Rebellion, which people talk about the Great Awakening when it's really the Great Rebellion going on. Not a great awakening. As a matter of fact, it's uh, people don't want scripture anymore. They want to go back to the church fathers, you know, and, and study the Catholic, you know, um, mystics like John of the Cross or I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah that, uh, Teresa, Teresa of Avila. Yeah, well, it's a so-called that. spiritual formation that you can learn in now in, in seminaries such as at Dallas Theological Seminary, which we thought was the, you know, the last, you know, bit of truth in the seminary. And now they have people coming and speaking to them and telling and, and rejecting uh, biblical inerrancy, people like um, Andy Stanley and other oh, yeah. these, these modern guys. And so it's coming from the seminary into the churches and these are the recent graduates, I'd say in the past 10 years that they graduated from DTS, then they are teaching apostasy and they're promoting it because they yeah, are. Definitely. Yeah, because and they're all ecumenical. So the whole thing, uh, the whole Christian Christendom, Christendom is asleep. See, it's, and there is no great awakening if they don't awaken to their own condition. And That's they won't. It. They won't That's awaken it. to their own condition because, because like the Church of Laodicea, they are rich and they are in need of nothing, and they don't know that they're miserable, blind, poor, and naked. That's where we're at today. Yeah. That's As everybody's very, very talking cool. about the Great Awakening. Yeah. Uh, well, if anybody needs a Great Awakening, it's most of these apostates that are out there, and. I don't know if there's much hope for uh, many of them really to come back to their first love if they ever knew their first love, because for most of these people, it's like, it's a job. And where are they going to get a gig like that, being a pastor and collecting 10% from people? And then you get so filthy rich sometimes that you're living in a mansion and you've got a private jet and you've got servants and so how do you go back to your first love when you've been so corrupted by the things of this world? <laughs> yeah, and those mega pastor guys are the ones that all the little the little little under shepherds of theirs are looking wanting to get, and uh, and so it's it's just very carnal. It's very Church of Laodicea, and 
for those who don't know what that means, it's the seventh of the seven churches that Jesus wrote the message to the seven churches in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And there are the ones who are cold and lukewarm or not in cold. He'd prefer that they were hot or cold, but they're lukewarm. And Jesus says he's going to spew them out of his mouth. And yet, if you look at the seven churches, not just all existed at once, and they did, but uh, I know that um, Pastor Chuck Smith and others have shown where it seems to be the evolution of the church until it totally de-evolves at the end and turns into the total carnal takeover. And that's where we're at today, prophetically, unfortunately, now. But you see... When people understand Bible prophecy, those things may get them down, but they also see it and understand how close the Lord's return is and that these things indeed have to happen and people don't want it. It makes me think of Peter going to Jesus and when Jesus was letting him know that he was going to be, you know, turned over to the authorities and all that, oh, be it far from you, Lord. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Because, you know, because that's the way it's got to go. And so right now, we're faced with the same thing. Oh, let it be far from, from you letting the church face this right now, Lord. You know, well, sorry, but that's where we're at today. And, and so, you know, we're in a prophetic time, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, we definitely are in a prophetic time. And we didn't think it was going to happen so fast. I didn't think I would be alive to see all these things happen. That's for sure. So it's like a reality check. You're kind of punched into it. You're kind of punchy from reality. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is reality. And I'm finding that I try to really protect myself from the coronavirus. I I'm very, very careful. I don't let anybody in my house. And I don't, I try to stay away from people and protect myself because I'm not into getting sick. And even though people are vaccinated, they still can transmit this virus. They can still catch it. But I see a lot of people becoming very arrogant when you tell them like to keep their distance or you're trying to uh, keep them uh, trying to get them to understand where you're at. They're getting very arrogant and aggressive. It's like, why won't you let me come close to you? Why won't you let me in your house? And and they wouldn't have talked like that a year ago when, when uh, everybody was afraid of the pandemic. But now when you're trying to, to uh, protect, uh, protect yourself from it, they get very aggressive, especially if you're not vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, well... As a matter of fact, the dear president of ours said, if you're not vaccinated, you're a killer. Yeah, well, who's the killer? Who's the killer? Like, did they stop abortion? Who's the killer? Yeah, yeah, I know. And, you know and, yeah, he's the Catholic, and he, he goes looking all pious and everything to receive communion. And, uh, you know, it's it's just an amazing time. And it's not going to get any prettier until Jesus comes back. And I still hold on to the blessed hope of Jesus coming back at any time for his church. And that, um, you know, that back to the church of, you know, the seven churches, the church of Philadelphia, who he says he's going to keep her from that hour. 
of testing that's coming upon the world. I hold on to that promise because that isn't a theory of pre, mid, post, pre, wrath or whatever. No, that's just a promise of his. And I'll hold on to that. And that's why I don't get into the, the timing of everything as far as the rapture goes, but but to hold on to those promises that he will keep us from that time, however he chooses. And, um, but I thank God for that promise. And, um, you know, I be part of that church of Philadelphia and not slip into the church of Laodicea. No, I'm I never go back there. Never. I'm, I'm, I know in whom I have believed. And I know that, as long as we follow the Lord and we follow his word and uh, he's got, yeah, he's going to be with us. He's going to protect us. And, and uh, let's, let's listen to a great old saint of the church and these things that we've been talking about during our introduction here is so it it so applies to uh, Walter Martin and, uh, how he took a stand, what was it, almost 40 years ago, 35, mm-hmm. 40 years ago, and he took such a bold stand at his time. And he, he had so much insight and foresight to see the things that we're seeing now. And uh, he was banned, basically, from so-called Christian television. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk to you after I play these two clips, Jack. You have these two clips from uh, Walter Martin on TBN, and then of course I want to talk to you about how he felt about it, and uh, we'll go into that. But let's play this first clip, and this is Walter Martin on TBN in the I guess it was in the early 1980s when this That's happened. That's about 80, 85, 86. Okay. And this is a, about a five-minute clip. Well, you're Mr. Controversy. You know, you, you stir up the devil, don't you? Well, and you, um, you, I, I stir up a lot of people. That's perfectly true. But I think that part of the problem of the church historically has been that if you don't have any movers and shakers and nobody dissenting and nobody pointing things out, then you don't have any teaching ministry in the church because you teach by contrast. And um, the Christian church his days of the church fathers till today, has been controversial. Uh, There's nothing wrong with controversy for the sake of truth. It's controversy just for the sake of controversy that's a sin. Yes. And controversy that speaks the truth in love is a biblical command. And uh, at Christian Research Institute, which uh, uh, I direct, uh, we specialize in dealing with the cult, the occult, non-Christian religions, and apologetics, which is the defense of Christianity. Now, the gentleman who was on before me uh, was talking about Berkeley, and uh, you were asking him questions about what the attitude of the professors was, and so forth. And uh, it's obvious that they're secularists. I know I've taught in university and college <clears throat> and seminary for many years, and uh, they obviously are antagonistic to theism and to Christianity. Now, what would it be like if the church never ever gave anybody any answer. Supposing all you did was go on television and smile at the camera and say, Jesus loves you. And the person out there says, yeah, but what am I going to do with this contradiction between this passage and that passage? Jesus loves you. What am I going to do about... I mean, this passage obviously teaches that Jesus is 
is uh, the Archangel Michael. Jehovah's Witness says that. He says, well, Jesus loves you. We're going to pray for you. You know what you're going to do? You're going to turn off everybody because people want answers to their questions. I do the Bible Answer Man program, 75 radio markets, uh, about 11 hours a week, live. All across the country, in our major radio markets, we're getting a marvelous control survey without asking for it. And you know as a former pastor what this means. People are asking the same questions from Jacksonville, Florida, to Raleigh, North Carolina, to New York City, to um, Massachusetts, New England, across the Midwest, northwestern states, all the way across the country. Everybody is asking the same questions. Now, when you get a closed experiment like that, where everybody is asking the same questions, then you know that the church is not answering them. Because if they were getting answers to those questions, they wouldn't be calling in my program or Bob Larson's or other shows that specialize in questions and answers and saying anything. <clears throat> They'd be getting all the information at home, but they're not getting it at home. Do you think it's because a lot of them don't know the answers to that, and that's why they, they go with the thing, uh, Jesus <clears throat> loves you? Or I, think, I think it's worse than that, Charlene. I think that we've entered into an era which leading to the great apostasy and the rise of the Antichrist, whether you're pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation, you're going to get there one way or the other. Sure. Uh, it's all pure tribulation when you get down to it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the truth of the matter is, leading up to this, the Scripture says, and we don't pay attention to it, that there will be a lulling of the mind of the church, that the church will accept evil as truth, that the church will accept false prophets rather than true prophets. That when we speak against error, as Paul was doing in his day, who was coming after him? The Corinthians, the Galatians, everybody wanted a scalp. John speaks against the Antichrist. Who's the bad guy? John. Who's the bad guy? Paul. But these are the apostles. Now, in the entire history of the church, I think we discussed part of this one time before, mm -hmm. God raises up apostles, in the beginning, prophets, and then the church fathers, then after them, the reformers, and so forth. What was the purpose? It was to bring the church back to the path she deviated from, theologically. Now, we are deviated in a massive way today. When you say we, are you talking about the evangelical, born the evangelical world? The evangelical-charismatic churches. <clears throat> We're not talking about the liberals. We're talking about the nope. conservatives. Well, we don't even discuss the liberals because, no, because they're not. They, they have nothing anyhow. Right. So what, what, are, what are you wasting your time for? I came from liberalism. Uh -huh. I was educated in Roman Catholic schools, and I was raised in the Episcopal Church. I was designed to be an Episcopal priest by my uh, dean of our cathedral. I would have been, except that he spent some time explaining to me that the Bible couldn't be relied upon always. And I knew better, even though I was a youngster, I knew better than that. So I turned away from that. I found out what liberalism was. I was educated in a liberal background, liberal theology. Now, I know the liberals are bankrupt. Mm -hmm. I know the cults are bankrupt. Mm -hmm. I know the world religions are bankrupt. Otherwise, God wouldn't have sent Jesus Christ into the world to save us. Right. He would have gotten there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty prophetic of... <laughs> just seeing the roots of what we see in full bloom today. Yeah, very prophetic. Uh, he's, he, he was our brother, that's for sure. 
<laughs> I know, and there's no one like him, and the one who replaced him ain't nothing like him. Can't can't light a candle to him, <laughs> unfortunately. That's you know, that's sad. That's I'm going to play this next clip from the TBN um, program, and then we'll talk about uh, the background, and then about his reaction since you knew him personally to uh, how he was treated uh, mm-hmm. by uh, TBN. Let me pull up this second clip here. Here it is. Okay. Here we go. It's about six minutes. And they're asked direct questions on national television. I mean, right out in the open. Specifically. Do you believe this? I won't answer them. You have such leaders as Norman Vincent Peale. Big power of positive thinking image. Mm -hmm. And Peale goes on the Donahue show. That's coast to coast. That's the biggest talk show you've got. Mm -hmm. And they got to discussing Christianity. And Donahue asked him point blank, is the only way to get to heaven Jesus? No, no. I mean, after all, if you're sincere, what's going on here? This is the former pastor of Marble Collegiate Church. I mean, this is a leader in the Protestant, American Protestantism. Mm -hmm. And they get in the middle of the dialogue uh, on the subject of uh, what people believe, and they're criticizing Dr. Peel for some of his views, some of the people. And Donahue saw the hell with them. This is, this is the, the people that are criticizing false doctrine. Mm-hmm. To hell with them. Mm-hmm. Peel says, right, to hell with them. Well, I mean, doesn't anybody ever anymore get excited in the presence of evil? Nobody wants to come out and say what's wrong for fear that they're going to be criticized, for fear that they'll lose their constituency. See? Now, the truth is that if you preach the gospel like it is and you defend the gospel the way you're supposed to, God will take care of your finances and your constituency. He promises to. Sure. You, you, do not, uh, okay. you, you, you do not get up and tell people what they want to hear to get their pocketbook. Are you suggesting that's going on today? I know it's going on. I mean, I can turn on my television set and I can see it. I mean, there's one major TV network, not this one, Christian TV network, where the host has got to have his, his uh, cheer ducts connected to his kidneys because nobody could cry that much. <laughs> I mean, how could, you, how could you possibly miss? It's every other minute. Money, money, money. Well, there's nothing wrong with asking for money for the Lord's work. But when that is predominant in your approach... I it is to, a turn off. Sure it is. When I went to uh, yeah. when I went to a big TV network not long ago, I won't discuss which one for the sake of public relations. Uh, I went there, and um, uh, they told me that I should speak as the Spirit leads me. Well, that's fair, isn't it? The Spirit leads you. You should speak that way, right? Okay. So as I got up to get on the stage, they handed me a slip of paper like this. <clears throat> Said. Try and be positive in everything you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to tell me how it's positive to tell somebody they're going to hell. Tell me. <laughs> how positive can you get? Not You're going to hell. <laughs> You're going to hell. That's positive, huh? Of course not. You're going to have to say, hey, I love praying for you, but, you know, if you, if you follow this path, you're lost. But <clears throat> don't want to do that. So be positive in everything you say. Do not mention Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or Christian Science. Now, here is an internationally recognized cult expert 
they said. They introduced me that way. Bring me on the program, fly me 3,000 miles, sit me down, and before I go on, they hand me a slip of paper that says, be careful what you say about your expertise. Huh? Heavy. No, it's not only heavy, it is what nobody wants to say. It's censorship. Sure. Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Trinity is pagan nonsense, that Jesus Christ is the Archangel Michael, that his death on the cross wasn't even on a cross, it was on a torture stake. It didn't pay for your sins, you've got to work for it. And when he rose from the dead, he arose as a ghost. Plus the fact that he came back in 1914 invisibly and has been running the kingdom from Brooklyn. That ought to turn, that ought to turn you off immediately, okay? Then you've Brooklyn. Got, then you've got the Mormon church. What's behind it? Mormon church says, as God was, as God is, man, may be, as man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. You can become a God. Mormonism. Jesus Christ is the spirit brother of Lucifer, who became the devil. They teach that? Oh, yes. Preach the truth, it'll automatically counteract error, leave the personalities and the names out. You don't agree with it. No, not only don't I agree with it, I don't know one major theologian in the history of the entire Christian church that will agree with it. I don't know one commentary that will exegete Matthew 15 to teach that. Now, if you really want to get technical on what the texts say, 47% of the New Testament, according to this, who's the greatest, one of the greatest living New Testament scholars, is apologetic, which means defending Christianity. Yes. If you could just turn the truth loose and let it do its job and not defend it, why do you have all the admonitions in the Scripture? Contend earnestly for the faith, once for all delivered unto the saints. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They shall gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God will be turned into mythology. Reprove them, rebuke them, exhort them with patience and teaching. Where's the rebuke? Where's the reproof? Where's the exhortation? Now, what happened to Peter? Uh, chewing away in Second Peter on the people that are pushing the truth into the background. Sure. What about Paul? The people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What is censorship but the suppression of truth? If you can't speak, you're violating the First Amendment of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. I'm not attacking the cults. I spent 35 years of my life bringing people out of cults to Jesus Christ, which is a great... <laughs> yeah, applause. I'm telling you, he, he is our brother. And well, yeah. I, love I was going to say about the First Amendment, right? Yeah. Because that's what we're going through now. He was saying yeah, they're exactly. coming against the First Amendment. That's what exactly what everybody's doing right now. Yeah. And I love what he said that. He said that just do the Lord's work and he'll take care of your finances. He just, he was so right. And he was so sincere and so earnest in his beliefs. So, Jackie, give us some background on your relationship with um, Walter Martin, and then how did he feel after about what happened after this broadcast and tell the people what happened? Oh, yeah, it's a long story. Uh, I do, by the way, because I'm not going to get into all of it, but I wrote about it in a article, a two-part article on the Christian Sentinel webpage um, called The Dueling Bible Answer Men, and I pretty much give the story there 
But I, before I even get into that background, I just wanted for, to clarify something. When he talked about the, the tear duct being attached to the guy's kidneys, he was referring to PTL Club and Jim Baker. I thought so. Okay, this was before the whole Baker scandal, okay, before yeah. it hit. And then the ones who flew him out to the to the East Coast to be on the program and told him, watch out what you say and blah, blah, blah. That was yeah. at the time when there was CBN, and that was the 700 Club with Pat Rawls. Oh, wow. Okay, just, just so we know what he was referring to. Uh, but, but, yeah, um, that whole thing. I taped, I had, this is like I said, back in 85, 86, very few people had VCRs, and uh, I decided I wanted to get the video of it, and so, um, anyway, my sister Joni was the producer of the Bible Answer Man, and before that, she was his secretary, and she was with him in the green room, so she went with him down there. My sister Janet was in the audience, and I was at home taping it. Yeah. And it's a good thing I taped it because it wasn't repeated um, on the following uh, weekday like it was supposed to because Jan put the squelch on it, Jan Crouch. So um, if you hadn't taped it, there would be no record of it. Cor- correct, because wow. usually, because after that, you could get you could get the audio. You could send in five bucks and get the audio tape from TVN. They They wouldn't make the audio available. I remember talking to the... Uh, communication guy, uh, he said that he was going to tape it on the, you know, he he was going to tape it on the rewind. He wanted to watch it live, and if he bothered with that, well, there was no, it wasn't replayed like it was it was supposed to be. So I did get the only tape. <laughs> so, wow. Now when I when I did post it to um, to YouTube a few years back. I had to put it in 15-minute segments because at that time, they wouldn't let you yeah. put in the whole thing. Now, somebody later right. asked me if they could merge it and post it to their own site as long as they acknowledged where it came from. I said, sure, go right ahead. So they had more more downloads than I have because mine are in segments. Um, but you can well, tell by the could, data. You could do it, it you know. now, though. You could put it together. Yeah, now. yeah, you can. But I, I don't. You know, mine isn't monetized. Never was monetized. And YouTube told me it wasn't qualified to be monetized. So, uh, I think, I think sometimes even if you put it in those little segments, there's some segments that are more important. I even added a little addendum yeah. to it yeah. in part five. That that I think I think the guy who shared it took that too, uh, which is okay. But anyway, the thing is, is that my sisters, it was my, the whole thing started with Janet watching Hal Lindsey, who was on Praise the Lord program, and Hal Lindsey dropped the name Walter Martin, and Jan goes, oh, we love Walter Martin, and he goes, really, then why don't you ever have him on his show? And, and she goes, oh, well, we'd love to, you know, yeah, I know, and, and then she was like all squeamish about it, and my sister Janet was watching it, so she called Joni, and she says, she says, tell Walter to watch this. Uh, and see what they did. So Walter did. He watched it on that replay, and then he told, asked you know, Joni was his pr- producer. She, he told her to set it up. So Joni <laughs> called and set it up, and so that's how it even happened. It was just oh. on that fluke that Janet happened to be watching. Praise the Lord when when was when that his name the only time up. he was on? Um, the first and only time. Good, it, I think uh, you know I, I think he's been a guest 
before early on, um, uh, but I can't really be for sure. If, if it was, it was very early on, and it was probably like back in the time that I knew him. No, that was in the time that I knew him from '82. And see, so he probably wasn't because he wasn't during that time that I knew him, because yeah. except for this time. Uh, but anyhow, it it um, so so it was all arranged, and I I the reason I couldn't just set my VCR and go is it was a brand new VCR, and I only knew how to hit the record button. <laughs> so I didn't know how yeah, to set that, it up. back in the day, that's when they were brand new in '85. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy, and they were brand it, new. It was the big we, thing. And, <laughs> as you can see, my tracking was all off. I I think I taped it on slow speed. I go, no, no. I mean, I I, yeah, I who know knew what they were doing that. with the VCR. It was like Chinese. I know, <laughs> but any anyway. So you could read my background more, you know, um, at the Christian set and all this. But Walter Martin did do our wedding. And he also consigned us to the defense of the faith at our wedding. And that didn't sit well with some people, <laughs> the Catholics in my own family and stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I have lots of Walter Martin stories because we were totally um, involved. My, my husband ended up being his news editor. And boy, then there was drama on that. Oh, my goodness. There's, uh, But, you know, but, but Walter Martin really was one of the rare ones back in the day. But he was yeah. really, my, my issue with him looking back was he was really ecumenical. Even though he criticized the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, he still would acknowledge that since it had historicity, it, that it was still a, a valid form of Christianity with error. Okay, and I wouldn't see it that way. Um, no, not at all. Mm, but he had friendships with certain priests and things like that that he would call them his brother and I didn't agree with that and 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 he tried to and I don't I think it kind of backfired on him. He started his his research department with all these educated theologians all from different parts of the church. You know, he'll have a Presbyterian, a Lutheran, a yeah, a couple Lutherans. So that was that turned out to be a problem. <laughs> And then you have the then you have the Baptist and you have some guy out of Dallas Theological Seminary and the next guy, you know, at Asbury or whatever. He was trying to put the Christian consensus of apologetics altogether under one roof and how we could all get along. I mean, that was that was very unusual for the day. In fact, it would probably wouldn't hold very well. But because of that, it was like the problem was out there in the cults until well and and that's part of where I fit in because I started give I I was I got on everybody's mailing list and I started funneling to to Dr. Martin all the stuff that was going on with the heretics within the church and yeah. and you know so I that started then he started you know and at that same time he was taking issue with the uh, what do you call it the the, the self esteem the, the gospel of self esteem yeah yeah Robert Schuler and then of course then there was uh, then he he took he he would go and talk to all of these men and 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 he you know when he went to talk to Dr Schuler about the gospel of self esteem and 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 Schuler was all oh friendly and nice to his face even gave him uh, tickets to the great extravaganza for Christmas with you know the the donkeys and the, and the camels on the stage and everything. And Dr. Martin took his wife and was very impressed with it. But 
uh, he also went in and, and he went with um, one of his um, one of his Baptist researchers, and they went to talk to Frederick Price to confront him over the born again Jesus stuff and oh. and some of the word faith stuff. So he would actually go and talk to these people. He was trying to. I, I had I had funneled over to him from from the newsletter. I still have that original newsletter from uh, Kenneth Copeland in which he claimed, made the claim that Jesus never claimed to be God, just that he walked with him, but he never said he was God. And so <gasps> that, that really, and so then when I gave that to Dr. Martin, he said, well, you know, he has just entered the kingdom of the cult. That's how he put it. And wow. so I, I ran into, because, oh, because he. Do you still uh, have that? Yeah, I have it. Oh, I sure. Oh, do. wow. We need I to sure we do. need to work on that. We need to do a whole <laughs> program on that because that is hidden. Yeah, yeah. But you, know, you see, he would always go to the source, and he always would, and he was kind about it. He 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 was um, very authoritative about it in in a way. Yeah. Where you know this is this is what we're this is what scripture teaches and you were going against that and he would give the people a chance to defend it, uh, but you see that was part of this reason I think that he had to have researchers from all walks of Christendom. He didn't have any Catholics on staff. I will say that, but he would have them. He he would have debates with them, and he went on John Ankerberg's show and debated Mitch Pock, father of Mitch Pock. Yeah, those story, are but... still available. So he actually yeah. hired, You were you a hired researcher? He actually hired researchers to mm-hmm. work with him? Oh, here, oh, here's the funny thing. Yeah, of course, he had a whole research department. That's why it was called the Kristen Research Institute, which is why wow. it should be called that today, because there is no researchers that, that's here right well, now. Well, there should be. Yes, but there, he, no, it was, that was a hijack. Yeah. That's something else. Uh, that's also in my article <laughs> online, the dueling Bible answer men, but no. Um, well, right. What was I, what was I saying? See, that's my senior moment. We're I forgot talking, what I said. Yeah, I know. We're talking about the uh, fact that he. <laughs> oh, that he had everybody but Catholics. Um, yeah. Well, you, you see, because he wanted to keep the doors open to every element within the church, you know, that way, just like when he, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? Yeah, but what, like how brought, many researchers did he have? Um, At least 10. At least 10. Wow. 10 researchers, full time. Yeah, full time. Oh, I know what I was getting at. No, you know what? I was I was his I was his undercover researcher, and the reason why I couldn't be hired is because I didn't have at least a master's degree. This he wanted the he, he had to have the credentials. He, and see, this was the irony of the whole thing. He had this big thing about about credentials, and um, and he even helped a lot of the researchers to get their master's degree. But I didn't at that time. I didn't even have an undergraduate degree, and so oh, I you know. I, I was I was too helpful to him to work in the in in the, in any of the office positions or anything like that. But you know he would go and get this collation therapy, and he would I would come over there. My sister Joni would take him over there. It was a treatment that he had to have for his. Oh yeah, I know by the situation. Yeah, and it's, it's so and so she she called me up 
bring, you know, bring for me to bring him all my research, and I'd be sharing the research while he's having this collation therapy laying there without his cute little wig on. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was, so that's where I would meet with him. It wasn't <laughs> so much, in, but you see, I went to his Bible study, and this was, you know, we went to his Bible study for years, and at, at Melody Land, and then again at Newport Mesa Christian Center, and so, in fact, uh, one of, you know, my friend's um, Randy Shelton, that's where we met. We we both went attended that Bible study. Of, wow, so you and Randy go way back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and anyway, the researchers never showed up except when they were replacing Dr. Martin when he had a speaking engagement and wasn't in town. And then everybody would get there and it wouldn't be Walter and it would, oh, we'd groan and moan. Um, but at the same time, you know, that was, you know, that None of them cared to sit under his teachings. I know more about his teaching than any of them because they didn't sit under his teaching. Yeah. And see, that's the irony of it. And here's the other irony of it is when he brought Hank Hanegraaff in, it was to help with the foundation, in other words, to get grants and that kind of thing because he was supposed to have been a good whiz at at fundraising. And so – and so he had nothing to do with the ministry side, but more of the administration side of, of CRI. And yeah. um, he didn't know anything about about the ministry whatsoever. And you know, but anyway, that's another long story that I spell out. And 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 he he wouldn't even qualify to be a researcher according to Walter Martin's requirements. So he wasn't a researcher. And and he and I couldn't be hired as a researcher without a master's degree either. <laughs> you know. Well, back in that day, was he able to get grants for his work? Because yeah. it's yeah. kind of hard yeah. to get grants doing this kind of yeah. work, I would say. Yeah, no, but he did, and and there were different ways where he could get those things. There are certain people who would fund stuff, you know, the deep pocket guys that I yeah. was. I'm not real privy to all of that. I just knew that was going on, and that was the purpose of bringing in Hanegraaff. And yeah. so it's, it, he certainly had nothing to do with the ministry side. And but anyway, it was, but you know, I had a good working relationship with him, but he knew me from the Bible study, you see, you know, not from the employment side of things, but from the Bible yeah. study. And then, you know, when my sister was his secretary and stuff, and he'd be have different speaking engagements, her and I, I'd help, we'd go along and we'd run the tables, you know, and sell his tapes and oh gosh that's what everybody did they bought cassette tapes back then remember that <laughs> <laughs> I know I still have a whole drawer full <laughs> actually after he passed away all of his tapes were found in the garbage in the back of CRI after he died and canagraphed so threw them all away yeah, well, yeah nothing, nothing happened without his permission they were all dumped and oh. so then his daughter, Jill, who now is uh, waltermartin.org, uh, she's online, it's at org or com anyway, um, Jill Reich, she was, of course, very, very, very upset over the loss of all of those things, and she couldn't get a hold of the tapes, and when they tried to get them from Hank, he says, no, we've got the copyright on it. A- anyway, it turned into <gasps> a big fiasco. And so all those tapes that I had of Dr. Martin, and I had a ton of them, I I wrapped them up and shipped them all to her. Yeah. Because wow, that was that's more terrible. Of her getting that out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's a it's it's a great history of someone who really fought was a defender of the faith and talk about an apologetics ministry. Wouldn't it be wonderful though to bring back the Christian Research Institute with paid researchers? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great job, and of course we do it most of the day anyway. But to to actually be able to earn a living. And to have people doing this type of research nonstop, groups of people, I just think it, it was yeah. it was terrific for the time, really. Yeah, it was so it, as it turns out, my husband, well, through connections with me, of course, ended up as the news editor of the Christian Research Journal, and then and he was on on he was he was a paid consultant, put it that way, and my yeah. sister Joni, Joni, of course, was on staff. So, and, you know, but Joni's the one that first dragged me out of the house to go see him when somebody that she met, uh, I I give that story to it, had to do with this Christian theater group in any way. So, so I I didn't want to leave the house and go anywhere. And she dragged me over there, even though I had been familiar with Chuck Smith. That's another, another element of it. So it turned out eventually I, then I'd start going to, Calvary Chapel, and then going to Walter Martin's. His his study was on Sunday mornings at Melody Land, and then later, like I said, the other place, Newport. And, and so I would always go to Sunday Sunday. Well, actually, at first it was Sunday night at Chuck's, but then later I discovered David Hawking, and so I would go to David Hawking's Sunday night service, and then Chuck Smith's Wednesday service. You know, we had all kinds of good teaching back there in the day, you know, in Orange County. Yeah, there was. We, there was oh, some yeah. solid Bible teaching going on for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'd go to, oh, and so many conferences, and I'd go to all the conferences. Oh, yeah. I was always helping everybody's tables. I, I used oh, to help, uh, yeah. remember oh. Southwest Radio Church? Yeah. Okay, I used to well, love that, where... Southwest Radio, Noah Okay. Well, when they would come into Anaheim, I shackled. I used to love that. Oh, and shackled. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Testimony, testimony. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I would help them with their tables too. And and I would help everybody with research. You know, I helped Dave Hunt with research. I would he'd assign me to things. You know, Uh, Dave would. So. Yeah, we're going to do a whole program one day on Dave Hunt and the seduction of Christianity. I want I, I want to do a whole program on that whole issue. I think it's even so appropriate for today, that book. Yeah. And, of course, you working with him and having firsthand knowledge. So I think that would make an interesting program to talk about his books. And he also wrote that, wrote that book about a woman rides the beast about the Catholic Church. Oh, yes. Yeah, which was a great book. So we could do a whole program on him one day. Oh, absolutely. And the conflict between Dave and, and Walter, and I would be end up in a lot of these instances become the middleman between the two of them. Yeah, but at but, least they talked. Yes, they did. They did. And they hashed things out. So at least Dave wasn't afraid to answer when he was being questioned, he he answered. That was another one of those funny phone calls I got in the middle of the day. My sister Joni was um, 
helping the setup at this, it was a table that CRI had at the NRB that was the National Religious Broadcasters thing. And that was at the Anaheim Convention Center. And she called me up and said, Jackie, get hold of Dave. Uh, uh, Walter wants him here. He wants him on the Bible Answerman show. So I called Dave because they didn't know how to reach him. And connected him and said, yeah, he got in his car and got down there. And he did the live Bible Answer Men show right there at the NRB with Walter Martin and the two of wow. them discussing their differences. Yeah. I you wonder know, if we that's can do that up. without fighting, you know. Pardon? Yeah, exactly. And that's the way it should be. We should, if, if it's a real brother or a real sister in Christ and you have a disagreement, you should be able to discuss it. Now, if you ask a question like, uh, Walter Martin would say, I wrote to uh, this ministry. I wrote to Kenneth Copeland. I wrote to this ministry. They don't answer. He says, I sent registered letters, and they still didn't answer me. They they would right. never answer him, and uh, they condemned Dave Hunt, and they also condemned Walter Martin for bringing naming names and all these things. Well, he confronted them. He sent them letters to to get together to go over these things and they wouldn't do it. And they, and he never heard back from Ken Copeland. And that's where I no. forgot where my train of thought was going with Copeland. I went in 1987 to this Congress on the Holy spirit that was at the Superdome in, um, in uh, Louisiana, in new Orleans. And yeah. I, I, I walked into this one, uh, you know, it was a very, hardly anybody attended this one workshop that I went to look at uh, my fiance at the time who I ended up marrying, he was going, he was saying, well, he was a reporter for Eternity Magazine. That's another story. But he would go in one place and I'd go to the other. And so this person who had hardly anybody there, he says, well, it just so happens I have a special guest that nobody knows about. I just want those who like me to be so privileged. And out he brings Kenneth Copeland. And so then afterwards, I walked up to Copeland. And I wanted to ask him, you know, and be, before I could even say anything, he he was like, hey, sister, what are you doing? You know, it was really weird. And he, he um, you know, and so some people yeah, hey, were walking baby. up and saying, saying, hey, we want a picture of, of, of you, Ken, Kenneth, or, or uh, Brother Copeland. And so I started to back away. I said, oh, I'll get out of the shot. And Copeland grabbed me by the waist and pulled me in and said, no, you're in the picture, too. And I go, oh, brother, I, of course, I don't know what ever became of that picture, but it was ridiculous. So here he was, all disgusting over me. And then I said, oh, I said, I just had my – she goes, oh, did you have a question, darling, darling? And I said, yes. I said, uh, I, said I understand that you were – you were, you know, that, that CRI – tried to get you to answer them to say that you would talk to Walter Martin about your teaching on the deity of Christ. And, uh, and he never heard back from you. And he goes, yeah, well, tell him to contact my, my, my uh, secretary, Char, Charlene, one of the other, I forget what it was, Char. Anyway, <laughs> that's so crazy. And, and yeah, we'll set it up. We'll set it up. So I went back, of course, and told Dr. Martin. And then he had, again, uh, more follow-ups on that, and they wouldn't take his call. Yeah, that but sounds that, like. But at least he tried. He always tried to go to the store. Well, yeah, and you confronted him personally and asked him about it, so he knew. He couldn't deny. Oh, yeah, he Copeland knew. couldn't deny that. 
he knew that Walter Martin was trying to get in touch with him. But yeah, they always they love to bring up, oh, they name names, and they don't come to us. So, like the Bible says, yeah, try to get to them. No, they won't yeah. talk to you. If I call Paula White or we call Mike Murdoch or somebody, we say, come on, come on the show and let's talk. They wouldn't talk to you. Uh-uh. And, no and even, talking to even you. when they did, the ones that did, like Schuler did and so did Fred Price and a few others, they they act in front of him, all agreeable with him, and oh, they and, and he'd come back thinking, what a what a victory we 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 corrected them, and then they'd go right back into it again, and then not see him anymore. No, well, and and ultimately, ultimately, they became very very wealthy and famous, and people bought into the lie uh, from these false teachers. So they knew what they were doing as far as not answering their critics or what they call critics, which of course it's just people trying to ask them why they're not teaching sound doctrine and uh, they're not going to answer it. But let's listen to this one clip. I thought this was a great one too about ministers winding up in psychiatric hospitals. Does it? (laughs) It was. He said he had a committee of men come into his office. He was worth about $400 million. It's an oil company. He said a committee came in two weeks ago, headed by Eugene Carson Blake, who was then the stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church. He said they wanted me to give them $1 million so that they could build a hospital to take care of clergymen who cracked up in the Presbyterian ministry. He lit a very large cigar, blew some smoke in the air. He had an absolutely pixie-like sense of humor. He said, I turned to them and I said, gentlemen, what you're really asking me is, if I understand you, is to create a psychological or psychiatric facility for Presbyterian ministers and leaders who have emotional and psychiatric collapses. They said, that is correct, Mr. Pugh. It would be a great act of charity for the Lord. You see how it's always couched in this pious crud that is supposed to pass for Christianity? Mr. Pugh looked at them and said, I won't give you ten cents. And the reason I won't give you ten cents is because what you're really asking me to do is to build a psychiatric hospital to take care of the people your theology creates. And I won't do it. Donald Barnhouse said a little better. He said, I wouldn't build a hospital at the bottom of a cliff to take care of the people that soar up. I'd put a fence up there if I had any brains. The fence is the gospel. The people at the bottom looking for the psychiatric hospital were the people that didn't believe it. It doesn't mean that some Christians don't get sick. They do. But the ratio is amazing when you make a study of it. I think that is such a prophetic statement in in itself because we see that today. We see so many suicides with pastors, Pentecostal charismatic pastors that can't handle the ministry. And why? He spells it out. Yeah, well, that's that's where they haven't put their faith in the right place. There's, and they can't live up to it. It's really sad. I, it, but he's talking about Presbyterians. That that I found that interesting. I I don't recall that particular one. Is that on the liberalism 
I think, yeah, it, uh, that one uh, was on the liberalism. Yeah, the cult of liberalism is cult of liberalism, where I got yeah. this audio from. We'll play one more audio from uh, that selection. But, uh, yeah, because I think he was a Presbyterian. I think he was a Presbyterian. He was like everything. He was a Presbyterian. Well, you know, he's a, he, he was an ordained Southern Baptist, though. Okay. Yeah, in the end, yeah. Yes. After, yes. after he went through the... Uh, he was the, raised Episcopalian. Yeah. Okay, so let's play this first clip. This is from the cult of liberalism, and you can see that uh, you can hear the audio actually on YouTube in its entirety, but let's play this clip. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, the Greek says, where men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, bolsters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, men without self-control, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors who are heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such people, turn away. And 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Whether it is convenient or inconvenient, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not put up with sound teaching, but after their own lust. They shall gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and the truth shall be turned into mythology. In fact, the word in Greek is the word for myth. But you watch in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I'm now ready to be offered, poured out like an offering, he says. The time of my departure is near. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. In these two passages, we have an introduction to the spirit of the age in which we now live. A spirit which is characterized by rebellion, by lawlessness, by men who are obsessed with love for themselves, turning inward to their own worship rather than outward to the worship of God. Men who are covetous, boastful, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to their parents and authority, unthankful and unholy. People described here who, verse 5, is your key to understanding who they are. They have a form of our religion. The Greek says they have the form of the religion of Christ. But they do not have the power of it. He is talking about people who say they're Christians. 
people who profess that they are disciples of Christ. People who maintain that they are the church. But all of these characteristics that they manifest indicate that they may have the form of the church, but the power of the church is not there. Because the power of the church comes from the risen Christ and from the comforter, the spirit, the teacher, who is to lead us into all truth. We have, for more than 100 years, been under sustained attack in the United States in our theological seminaries, church-related schools, and our churches. A sustained attack by people who have the form of godliness and work within the structure of the church and have, wherever they have been permitted the opportunity, diluted the gospel and destroyed the faith. Wow. You didn't make a lot of friends. <laughs> he, he made one very good friend with Jesus. He made That's true. the best friend. Yes, well, that was part of why he had Jude 3 on his, as his uh, vanity plate on his Cadillac. <laughs> he did. And he, I know he, would, he, he liked the translation that said, put up a fight for the faith. Not just, you know, not just contend for the faith, but fight for the faith, you know. Oh, yeah. So, Amen. So he, he, he was a he was a fighter, but he did so in love, but he really tried to keep an open door to all the various expressions of Christianity of which there were many and and some bad people ended up infiltrating into his myths as a result, unfortunately, I will say. But we don't need to get into that. We don't have time. This is the end of the show. But yeah, I know. That, that we'll, we'll, have to do, we'll have to do an, uh, a part two because I didn't even get to all these audios I had from him. So we'll have, we'll do another program about this. I, I I just think it's so interesting because he's a man after God's own heart, of course, and he's a man after my own heart. The and I can see how important it is in the days that we're living in, that we have some good soldiers for Jesus that won't compromise. And we, we, we've got that bloodstained banner and we're going to fight for the faith until our last breath. Yeah. Well, yeah. And defend it every which way that it is being attacked, uh, pulling yeah. down the strongholds that rise against the knowledge of Christ. And there's now so many people throwing his name around that hate his word uh, it's unbelievable sure. that they can do both yeah well that's that's the thing because if you look online you can see so many false prophets and I see um, our brother in the chat room said there's a new channel brand new tube as an alternative to YouTube so I'll check that out too because who yeah, knows how much longer one. we're going to be even allowed to say anything on YouTube that pertains to the gospel. A lot have gone over to Rumble also. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of, it's Rumble's weird. You have to do this monetizing and then you have to have cops. Yeah. I don't know. It's like difficult to, uh, I posted some videos and they never showed up and I don't know why. 
And then it's hard to talk to anybody. So I, I uh, anyway, there's I have one video that's public, the Paula White book on there, but you have to, it's harder to try to figure out how to navigate those sites. That's, that's but, true. Yeah, right? Did you find that too? Yeah. But, you know, but I will say that, you know, in these days when Walter Martin was given the warnings, I think Dave Hunts were even more powerful. And I think that those days are gone. People like Dave Hunt and Walter Martin wouldn't get a hearing today, you know, by any churches. They wouldn't be invited to these churches because no. they name names and that, that got them in trouble. It, it got them ostracized in a lot of, yeah. in a lot of circles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so did the, so did the apostles name names. So did Jesus sure. name names. <laughs> How are you going to warn people about false prophets if you can't name the names? But that's their defense. And they they prey on the fact that they could say things to people that are don't know their Bibles and people are going to buy it. I was telling you about this video I made about Hank Kuhneman and somebody made a comment about my the way I dealt with it. But the fact that Kuhneman actually repeated what I said about don't now we're going to take seed faith money here you and we're going to hold up the money to God and you're going to tell God what you're believing for but don't think you're buying a miracle because if you if you believe you're buying a miracle you won't get anything so it got into his head what I'm saying and what other people are saying about the miracle selling so uh, yeah, well, all that is is a wolf trying to get a little bit more fear over those, or, or more fur over those teeth, so they won't be seen so easily. Yeah, exactly. But that's how sheared over those sheep, poor sheep were, were in his church. That he's selling them a miracle, but he's telling them not, you don't have to not. buy one. And yeah. he's, and yeah, he's actually taking up money to tell them that they have to sow the seed in the ground, which was going into his bank account. That was the ground. And then tell God what you're believing for. So there's, you you have to hope that people come out of the stupor because this is one of the biggest traps, I think, that's in the church today is the deceit and how people don't really know Jesus. And that's how they're going to be fooled by, by the Antichrist. They're going to be fooled because they don't really know Jesus and they don't really know how much he loves us and the benefits that we have knowing the Lord and it doesn't cost anything. It costs him everything. But it, there's that, there's that pandemic of people wanting what their itching ears want to hear. And that they're the ones that are producing these, these guys themselves because that's, that's where the money is and that's what they want to hear. And that sounds good to them. It's, it's like the, you know, the secular world has their motivational speakers, you know, they're, you know, Tony Robbins or whatever. And so they need these, these guys to, you know, give them some sort of magic elixir to have their carnal desires met. Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's very, very sad that uh, people are so fooled to think that they have to pay money to get things from God, but yeah, they're doing it. They were going up there, these poor people walking up to the front with their checks and you just feel so bad for them. You just, your heart goes out to them, and you can just see that wolf tooth, those those wolf <laughs> teeth in this guy, that Dracula, him mm. and his wife, 
Count Dracula and Countess Dracula. And anyway, he's yeah. not alone. But the fact that he yeah. said it is proof that the message is getting to them. And if they have any conscience at all left, and if in the nighttime God speaks to them and it comes to their head, that maybe some of these people will repent. Some of them are too far gone, but hopefully some of them will repent and get right with God. It would be a wonderful thing. But anyway, that's our program for today. And uh, yeah, we have a couple of things. Bit shoot, ODC. Anyway, there's there's a a couple of channels that we have to check out. But anyway, Jackie, tell people how they could get a hold of you, your your website, your Facebook, and your book also that I know your book is available for free to read. Yes, and, yes, and they can go to christiansentinel.com. If you don't know how to spell it, just look up my name and you'll go right there. And also you're there you can sign up for my monthly newsletter and uh, also look me up on Facebook. Just, uh, you know, look in my, my name. You could also Subscribe to Christian Sentinel as a as a join the group there on on the on the on the Facebook as well. So you know. And, and so, what yeah, are your plans now that you're you've gone off Blog Talk Radio? And so, well, yeah, what, yeah. Well, because and I'm glad I, that I can still hang out with you um, from time to time because oh, always to have an outlet. Yeah. But it was yeah. taking up so much of my time, and I I was in the, I'm in the middle of writing another book. And that I'm also um, building up a introduction to Bible prophecy, Bible study. It's going to be a six-part series just for people who need to know where Bible prophecy is today and how it applies to the signs of the times that we're seeing. But a basic understanding, because a lot of people, a lot of Christians weren't taught this and haven't really studied it systematically much in the church. And so I want to make it easy for beginners to go through this and my sister Joni she who I refer to in this talk she was Walter Martin's producer anyway she's has a home fellowship that she wants to get started back up again and so I'm going to launch that with her you know to have it's going to be a six-part series some of it might be in person some may be on on Skype or something Skyping in. And that'll be in Southern California. Yeah, it's in Orange County in the Orange area. And so it's gonna be a women's study. So if any women are interested in that, you know, give me a shout out and uh you know, I can set you up with that. And I think it's important for believers who see what's going on today to be able to have friends that see what's going on because when they go to church they even talk about Bible prophecy and the person, oh yeah, that's nice, doesn't doesn't get it. So I used to do a women on the watch conference conferences yeah. back back, you know, ten years ago or so. I think my last one was in two thousand seven. And a lot of women would want to come out because they want to know about these things and I'm not in any position to do those today and now we can't even have meetings or gatherings or anything. Yeah. So so that's that's what I'm working on right now is that is that six part series because I think it's so important for a foundation for people who are seeing what's going on and don't know what's going on. So yeah. that's kind of stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned and don't forget to check. She's got a public Facebook page, Jackie Alnor, A L N O R, and so you can contact her there and also her web, website, ChristianSentinel.com. You can contact her there. And if you're in that Orange County, California area in September, you might want to 
attend those Bible studies. So, Jackie, great program today. I enjoyed it very, very much. Me and, too. Good uh, reminiscing. Yeah, it's it's so appropriate for the times we're living in, and we thank God for men like Walter Martin and and uh, you being able to have a relationship with him, and for you to be able to share what went on back in the day. Some people might not know or remember, but it was great. So God bless yeah. you, and you we'll do again in a few more weeks. Sure, looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Okay, God bless. God bless. Right. All right, that's our program for today, everybody. Thank you, everybody in the chat room for stopping by. I appreciate it. I appreciate your comments and your participation. God bless you all. And thank you, all my listeners around the world. Special shout out to the South African listeners and our United Kingdom listeners and our listeners in France and Australia, New Zealand, Germany. Hi, everybody, and God bless you. Thank you for being here and for being a part of what we're doing. And stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And don't remember the most important thing today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know him in a real way. And you can have forgiveness of your sins because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we have a free gift of salvation and eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 10.10 says, Confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. Confess your sins today and ask Jesus to come into your life and to be the Lord of your life. And it'll be a decision that you'll never regret. God bless you.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.